Love Talk Radio. Jean-Luc, Jordy Specs, mysteries on the holodecks, asteroids, triple droids, telepathic betazoids, transporter, deadly claw, visitor from L.A. law, photons, no Kirk, captain has gone berserk, shuttlecraft, console Troy, Dr. Crush's little boy, Klingon rights, parasites, new heights, phaser fights, Data's head, Tasha's dead, Wyke is hanging by a thread, celebration, transformations, everyone to battle stations. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It's great to have you here with another awesomely exciting episode of Trek Talking. God, I love that song. That that is such a great song, don't you think, Eric? That's a great song. It's a pretty good one. It has served us well for many, many, many years. Hmm. I, I, but we might be getting I, close I, I to kinda, something new. <laughs> I kind of like it. It's catchy. It's really it catchy. Pretty catchy. Um. Yeah. It's not too bad. But anyways, welcome to the show, guys. We're going to be talking about a lot tonight. We we got so much to talk about. We have Star Trek Discovery and Die Trying. We have the Mandalorian, we have shout-outs, we have birthdays, as usual, so we have a lot. Our phone number here, we are going to be live, as we always are, every Thursday night. We'll be with you from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our phone number here is 646-668-2433. So if you're listening on Stitcher or Spotify or, or iTunes, I Love Heart Radio, or any other podcast platform, and you'd like to be part of our conversation, you just have to tune in on Thursday night. Go to Blog Talk Radio backslash Trek Talking and log on and uh, listen to the show live and give us a call at 646-668-2433. And your comments and voice will be immortalized for all of eternity um, on the show. So please, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, what else do I got to say? Uh, yeah, we could use your help. Keeping that phone line open by heading over to patreon.com backslash Trek Talking. Uh, we, we just broke over 22,000 followers on our Facebook page, people. 22,000. Wow. So, you know, if each person, if each of those 22,000 people donates a penny, you know, a little bit from a lot of people goes a long way. Um, so if you head over to Patreon, all it takes is a dollar and a dream. You know, go over there and uh, give us a dollar, and that will help us keep these phone lines open and running. So we really, really, really could use your help, and we really appreciate it. So thank you very much. We also just downloaded our 29,000th podcast. That's incredible. So uh, hopefully we'll be approaching 30,000 not too long from now and we couldn't do that without you guys so thank you thank you thank you very much and before i go too far i'm your most excellent host uncle jim and with me as usual are my truck spurts and we'll start out with charles he's out in las vegas how you doing tonight charles i'm doing good enjoying our beautiful weather today a little windy yesterday but we're getting a little more fallish again 
we're, we're getting away yeah. from record temperatures of being in the high 70s. Believe it or not, we had snow up in Saranac Lake. Yeah. We haven't had any yet here in Vermont, but she had some up there, so she can keep it. <laughs> and uh, we all talk with us, Eric. Eric out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? I'm doing really well. We've got uh, standard rainy uh, fall weather here in Portland today. But it actually it kind of went all the way from rainy and almost hailing all the way up to really nice and about 50 degrees today and everything in between. So I got a lot of variety. It's kind of nice. And variety uh, is a spice yeah, of life. We like of, that. Yeah. You're seeing this rain stuff again. Mm-hmm. I think somebody up yes. north of us is taking all the rain. And we're still about 160 days, about a, I think we're somewhere in the neighborhood of 160 days with only minor traces of rain. It's a long time. That's a long time. So, guys, before we dive in and get started with the show, there's a couple of things. We're, We're no longer doing Star Trek news. Uh, in favor of the Mandalorian. So any anything that we want to talk about that I want to throw out, we'll do at this part of the show right now. So as I said before, Star Trek Discovery Season 2 has started production. I mean, uh, Season 4 has started oh. production. So mm-hmm. they're up in Toronto filming Season 4 as we speak. So Canada has different COVID rules and regulations than we have here in the United States. So season four is underway for Star Trek Discovery. So that's good news. Also, mm-hmm. due to the holiday here, Thanksgiving, next Thursday, there will not be a truck talking on Thursday. However, so we don't get too far behind, we're going to do that show on Saturday, the 28th at 5 p.m. So we'll be on Saturday from 5 to 7 instead of Thursday. So mark your calendars, and then we'll be back on our regular schedule after that. So you guys are going to have a treat because that means on Saturday you can tune in for truck talking, and on Sunday you can hang out with me and the Leslie Hoffman on stunt track. So you can have a really, really exciting Thanksgiving Day weekend with truck talking and stunt track. So check that out. And one more thing. If you guys would like to be part of the show and to tell us great our episodes or, or maybe tell us where you're from and be featured in a fan shout-out, you can do that by heading over to our Facebook page and joining the 22,000 other global fans that are there. And you can find us at facebook.com backslash trektalkingandand beyond. Spell that all out, trektalkingandbeyond. You'll find us there. And uh, like and follow us so that you can be part of our show and you never miss an exciting episode. So, without any further ado, we're going to dive right in to our numbers around the globe. And for that, we go to Eric. So, take it away, Eric. All right. Thanks, Jim. Well, as always, we broadcast from uh, the United States, and so 76% of our listeners come from here. But our international listeners are out there, too, and holding that number one spot for many, many weeks now is Australia with 4.75% of our listeners. So thank you so much to the folks down under. We love having you listen to us. Uh, In the number two spot, 
and surging, oh my gosh, will they be number one next week? The UK with 4.05% of our listeners. That's almost a whole quarter percent uh, from last time. So that's, that's pretty, pretty darn good. Nicely done, UK. Thanks for listening to us. In that number three spot, hold and steady Ireland with 3.18% of our listeners. And in the number four spot, still in the top five, Norway with 2.64% of our listeners. And Canada has not left us yet. In fact, they've ticked up just a skosh. Canada in that number five spot with 2.26% of our listeners. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, whether they come from the U.S. or from international destinations. We love you all and really appreciate it. You know, it, if you weren't out there, it would just be uh, Jim Charles and I sitting here talking to ourselves. So that'd be no fun. And who wants to hear that? Really? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And if I remember correctly, guys, I believe Mr. Canal is over in the UK, our Doctor Who expert, correct? Wasn't he from the UK? Mm-hmm. That is correct. He was? No. Yeah. So maybe maybe he's listening right now. Who knows? I just want to give him a, a little personal shout out because he's been on the show with us. When we when we were talking about Jody Whitaker's Doctor Who last year, he came on from the UK to share his thoughts on Doctor Who. So if you're listening, we really, really appreciate it. Um, so now we're going to do our individual fan shout outs. And this is where we say hello to individual fans. Uh, we already talked about all the great nations that are listening to us around the globe, but not every nation's mentioned. We do have a lot of individual fans and you can get an individual fan shout out by heading over to our Facebook page. As I said earlier, Trek talking and beyond tell us where you're from. And every week I pick the listeners. If you see a little heart next to your name from truck talking, that means that I picked your name and uh, you'll be on the show. So please don't leave your name and look for a heart next to your name and we'll go right back to Eric again with our fan shout-outs, and uh, take us away, Eric. Our first fan shout-out this week goes out to Linda Maloney from Kennett Square, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Linda, for listening to us. It is awesome to have you along for the ride. Uh, hello also to Rian Jones. Uh, they say, hi, I'm from the Black Mountains in South Wales, so one of those U.K. listeners. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to us, Rian. Uh, we also are saying hello this week to Kurt Collier from Trinidad and Tobago. What? That's awesome. Those way out there is still listening to us in Trek Talking. Uh, David Barnes, hello to you. He started out in America, but now he lives in Denmark. So shout out to David. Thank you so much for listening to us and for taking the magic out to Denmark. We're also saying hello this week to Eddie Stevenson from Oregon. Uh, wow, that's right here. How about that? So <laughs> hello, Eddie, and thank you also for listening to us. Charles, who else is listening to us this week? Well, we got Vanessa Roney from Lancashire, UK. Alyssa Manu, the fields of Jordan in Brazil. All the way to cool. Wow. Gillian Hamilton from Petersburg, England. Jason Heights from Ontario, Canada, up north. And Jennifer Wiggins from New Hampton, England. Oh, I got some English in my group this time. Jim, finish us off. And wrapping up our fan shout outs tonight, we want to 
send out a big hello and a hearty kapah to Alvin Manning from Norfolk, Virginia. I've been there. Really beautiful, beautiful town. In fact, that's where the Mets, the New York Mets, used to have their um, their farm team. And I, I saw David Wright play there before he was on the Mets. So I'm familiar with Norfolk, Virginia. The Norfolk Tides actually was the name of the team. And Annika Sweet from the Netherlands, we'd like to say hello. Uh, Michael Rogers from Lancashire, England. There's another one from England. A lot of them showing up. Tony Ovens from New Hampshire, right across the border from where I am right now. And last but definitely not least, uh, Tanya Rossetti from Montreal, Quebec, a little bit up north, up in GM Chris's country. So thank you to each and every one of you guys for listening. We couldn't do the show without you, and we really, really appreciate your support. If you'd like to hear your name mentioned, just head on over to our Facebook page. You'll see the Live Long and Prosper at the top. And all you need to do is tell us where you're from, and maybe you'll be picked to be shouted out on the show. So now we get to have some fun. We're going to do our Star Trek first. That was not a Klingon song. No, it wasn't, but we like it, War. So we have a lot of birthdays to cover. Uh, tonight, so we're we're gonna so just bear with us. But we always start off with remembering those of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us, and for that we're gonna turn back to Eric again. So take us away, Eric. Yeah, this week we have six people we are remembering who are no longer with us. The first one is Ted Sorrell, who played Caval in DS9's Duet. And if you do not remember who that character is, that is the um, Minister of State um, for the uh, Bajoran Provisional Government. So uh, happy birthday to Ted. Uh, We remember you today for that episode. We're also saying happy birthday and remembering uh, Brian Keith this week, who played Millibok in DS9's Progress. Um, And uh, he was also another... Uh, Bajoran. So we've got a couple of Bajorans uh, on our list, uh, or people who played Bajorans, I should say, on our list this week. He was also the father on Family Affair. So uh, you remember that show? I sure do. I sure do remember that. Yep. Uh, And he was, in fact, I remember when he came on uh, Star Trek. I just remember thinking to myself, I I know that guy. Where do I know him from? (laughs) So uh, happy birthday to Brian Keith. Um, we're also remembering this week Hal Lynch, who played one of the Air Force sergeants in TOS's Tomorrow is Yesterday. You'll remember that's uh, one of the travel back-in-time episodes, uh, and uh, one of the sergeants there is Hal Lynch. So happy birthday and remembrances to Hal Lynch and his family. We're also remembering this week Ed Bakley, uh, who played the first of two fops. Uh, on the TOS episode, All Our Yesterdays, which is another one of those fun. I just realized that we had Tomorrow Is Yesterday, and we had uh, All t- all Our Yesterdays. It's a lot of yesterdays. Yes, and <laughs> I made a mistake on our Facebook page, and uh, the fans pointed it out to me. If you look at the birthdays, I always put the trailer under the person's picture so that if you don't remember the person, you can watch the trailer. And say, oh, yeah, I remember that. 
and I mix those two up. I put tomorrow mm. is yesterday and all of our yesterdays, and the, I flipped them and put them in under the wrong person's birthday, um, and I had to go back and change them. So, see, nothing gets by our fans. They're they're sharp as a marble. Well, thank you. And definitely they are sharper. Than me. <laughs> sharp as a marble. Thank you to our fans. I was hoping oh, they'd be sharp you know. as a cat. Yeah, <laughs> that is the more traditional saying there. Uh, well, happy birthday and remembrances to Ed Bakley for that role. Um, we're also remembering this week Ellen Albertini Dow, who played Felissa Howard, uh, which was uh, Beverly Crusher's grandmother in the TNG episode uh, Sub Rosa, which is uh, a very interesting episode. Uh, and she, I thought, was very creepy and weird and awesome in that episode. I thought she just did a fantastic job. So. Happy birthday and remembrances to Ellen Dow. Um, and finally, our last one this week, our last remembrance uh, is Richard Hale, who uh, is a pretty famous actor. He is known in the Star Trek context uh, as Tribal Elder, Tribal Elder Goro uh, in the TOS episode, The Paradise Syndrome. He, Syndrome. Um, he's the one who uh, kind of heads the, the group of people there. And if you're not familiar with that episode, you should go watch it. Uh, he did a great job in that one. So happy birthday and remembrances to Richard Hale. Charles, who is still with us that had a birthday this week in Star Trek? Okay. Take a deep breath on this one. Mary Linda Rapley played, played Irna in TOS's The Way to Eden. Margaret Reed played Dr. Trivia in TNG's Force of Nature. Rick Sterry played Jareth in TNG's Man of the People. Maggie Thrift played Ruth in Mud's Women. Bob Gunton played Captain Benjamin Maxwell in TNG's The Wounded. Richard Brown played Lorises in TNG's The Alternate Factor. Patrick Kwan Kuhn played Lieutenant Rise in Discovery. Please. Dimitro played John Luke Riker slash Ethan in TNG's Future Imperfect. And then I get a couple of fun ones that Jim gave me. Robert Beltran played Sakote in Voyager. And then this one gets a little longer in his credit. He appeared in TNG, DS9, Voyager, as well as Lower Deck, playing the infamous Q. As we say, happy birthday to John DeLancey. Ah, I've heard you speak in a couple of times in panels of Star Trek Las Vegas, and he is just fun to listen to. So, Jim, why don't you send, keep us going? Well, um, <laughs> I'm not, anybody want to take Go a shot it, at Jim. this one before, before <laughs> I... I 
<laughs> so, okay. So I don't know. Been, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm going to say it's Fumzil Satoli. Forgive us if we are massacring that name, but it's P H U M Z I L E. Fumzil Satoli. Yeah. I uh, I tried looking it up on the internet. I tried finding interviews with her where they said her name. Yeah. Uh, Riker meant, or Jonathan Frake says her name on the ready room, but he, so quick I couldn't I couldn't catch it. And uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's better than I was gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna really torture that one. <laughs> that's, that sounds that's pretty good. Oh, what did what did that person do, Jim? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, she was Captain Iday on D on the Discovery episode, People of Earth. She's the one that uh, that was kind of um, dinky at the beginning, but then uh, she changed her mind later on and decided they'd broke her peace. And I, I think we might be seeing them again. I hope, anyways, that mm-hmm. that uh, Discovery makes it back to Earth <clears throat> and we get to meet oh, her again. Yeah. We never we never know. Um, I'd also like to say happy birthday to James Darris, who played Morag in the TOS episode Spock's Brain. That's a classic that every Trekkie should watch at least a half a dozen times. Classic episode. One of the best. Top notch right there. You need to watch that one. Um, Scott McGinnis. Uh, Jim is obviously going senile again. <laughs> yeah. I'm as sharp as a marble. <laughs> That's where that's appropriate. <laughs> um, we'd also like to say happy birthday to Scott McGinnis. And everyone's like, who the hell is that? Scott McGinnis is Mr. Adventure from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. He's the guy that Uhura puts in the closet. Excellent scene. Mm-hmm. Really good scene. <laughs> uh, J.C. Brandy, who played Marta Benderis from the TNG episode Tapestry. We also heard her mention on Star Trek Picard. So she eventually becomes a captain. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, here's, here's another one from Star Trek Picard. Mason Gooding, who played Gabriel, Rafi's son, in the episode Stardust City Rag. And he has a very famous father. Um, anyone know who his father is? Hmm. No, yes. I do not. No, no, no. No, the name Gooding, Gooding okay. Jr. Ring a bell. Oh, Cuba. No, is that his father? Cuba uh, Gooding Jr. is his father. Yep. Yeah, yeah, cool. And yeah, that's pretty cool. Also, we'd like to send out a happy birthday to uh, somebody whose name you might not recognize, but the character you will. We'd like to say happy birthday to Dan Shore who originally appeared as a Ferengi by the name of Dr. Eridor in the TNG episode, The Price. However, at the end of that episode, what happened to the Ferengi? What what happened to them, Eric? Uh, At the end of the episode? Yeah, at the end of The Price, what happened to them? Uh, I do not remember. Sorry. (laughs) Which one is The Price? It's it's for season one, right? Is that the season one one? Charles. They get... Charles, help me out. What happened to them? Uh, <laughs> oh my well, God! The well, the, the sharp, the, we're not trick, the sharp we're not is a marble, senile. <laughs> the sharp is a marble, senile old bastard is gonna have to pull it out. 
at the end of the episode, the Ferengi went through the wormhole to show that it was stable, and it went to the Delta Quadrant, oh, and right. it shut right, behind right. them, stranding the Ferengi in the Delta Quadrant, never to be seen again, or so we saw, because they showed up on the Voyager episode, False Prophet, which was a great right. episode. And, of course, he also played in a movie that I took my wife to on our very, very first date way back in the day. He played Ram in the movie Tron, mm-hmm. cutting-edge technology back in the day. So, listen, guys, we've got to take our first commercial break for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. For the rest of you guys, you're going to hear a little ditty from a good friend of mine. We'll be right back. We have a few more birthdays to cover. Don't touch that dial. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But your time is finally here You can feel the change in your thoughts right now Nothing's in your way And they're not gonna hold you down no more No, they're not gonna hold you down Cause we've got faith that you call we want to hear what you have to say. We've got faith to believe in just talking today. You've got faith in your fingers. All you got to do is down now. You can reach us right now. We've got faith. We've got faith. Faith that you call. And that number, of course, is 646-668-2433. And if you like that song, you want to hang around because you'll be hearing a little bit more of that particular artist. We'll have to wait and see, but I think we might be hearing some more from that guy. Anyway, back to our birthdays. We have Bill Bolander, who played the albino in the DS9 episode, Blood Oath, one of my favorite mm. episodes because it has Klingons and Batwits in it. <laughs> such a good episode. Um, it is really good. That, that is a good one. Um, also, Rex Holman, who played Morgan Earp in the TOS episode Spectre of the Gun, which is amongst the handful of first episodes of Star Trek that I ever recall watching. And he also played John in the Star Trek V, the final frontier, the bald guy in the very, very beginning that meets a cyborg. And now another one from, from one of the first episodes of Star Trek that I remember seeing, a Bobby Clark who played the Gorn Captain in the TOS episode Arena. Arena, yes, he did. <laughs> and um, I don't remember which episode I saw first. I used to spend the summers at my grandparents in Brooklyn, New York. And at midnight they had chiller theater on and chiller theater would play star Trek. And I would sneak down and watch it because they had a color TV and I would watch star Trek on 11 alive actually. And I don't know if it was arena or specter of the gun, a dagger of the mind, but those three episodes stick in my mind as, as my introduction to star Trek. I'm not sure which was the first one, but those three were right up there. So happy birthday to Bobby Clark, the Gorn captain. And now we get to some Klingons. Well, now you could say so. Stefan Root, we'd like to say happy birthday and kapla. 
He played Cavada in the TNG episode Unification. He's the Klingon captain that flew War uh, Riker, uh, Data, and Picard dressed up as Romulans to meet up with Spock on, on the Romulan homeworld. Uh, and now there's a couple of couple of biggies here. Terry Farrell, who played Jadzia Dax on Deep Space Nine, and she also uh, kind of played a Klingon in Blood Oath, you could say, because she had a Blood Oath when she was Curzon. She mm-hmm. wasn't actually a Klingon, but she got to don that Klingon kind of Klingon armor and swing that batlet around, which which I really liked. And last, but definitely not least, we have a big one. Um, I, I actually saw her, this person, do her stand-up comedy right around the time that she was on Star Trek, and she was so funny. She actually would use the local newspaper, and she, she liked to make fun of politicians. And she'd take the local newspaper and all your politicians from your local paper, and she would just rat on them, like, without mercy. It was so funny. And I waited around backstage for about an hour and a half with my picture of her to get her to sign it from Star Trek. And I never got close enough to have her sign it. But, man, she was funny. And I'd like to send out a huge, huge happy birthday to Whoopi Goldberg Guinan. And uh, we will be seeing her on Star Trek Picard Season 2 whenever that starts filming. So happy, happy, happy birthday to (coughs) Whoopi Goldberg. So that wraps up. Our birthdays. One thing I comment about Wolfie and her character. You ought to listen to some of her interviews and stories about her. Cause when she sat there and got to Gene Rodmer, said, "Oh, I want to be on Star Trek." Oh, you want to? Oh, we're going to give you an. We're going to give you an episode. She's like, "No, I want to be on Star Trek." And then realized the fact that she actually wanted to be a reoccurring character, and she did. And she did, yeah. got into that role. And you know what? I'm still curious, speaking of Whoopi Goldberg, who shares a, a birthday with John DeLancey, um, what was the waving of the fingers in the Q-Who episode? We never, that was never addressed or brought up again. Well, Q seemed kind of afraid of her, didn't she? You don't know about Diane's powers very well. Diane's got powers we don't know about. Yeah, I think that's the. I think that's one of the best parts about her is she's so mysterious that you just, uh, you know, that's why she's like the perfect uh, confidant for Picard uh, because we just she seems to have all this knowledge and we just don't know where it came from. Oh, no, and she's, and are, she's hundreds of years old, too. Years. She's very, very old. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm like looking Yoda. forward to her next role, and not just for Card, but those of us that are fans, she is going to be in CBS All Access' limited release of Stephen King's The Stand. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And the role she's playing on that one because that's a good role for her. Mama, and I can't remember now, if it's Mama something. When she appears on Picard, she shouldn't she shouldn't age. She should be the same, look the same as she did on uh, TNG because she doesn't yeah, age. Be a- they, you know. 
that'll be interesting. Oh. I think they'll do their best on that. You know, I mean, she does wear uh, big robes and a hat, and so it's really just her face that they need to kind of, uh, you know, that will be exposed. And, of course, we've seen – actually, Tron's a great example there uh, with the return of Jeff Bridges in, the, in that last Tron movie. You know, they can, de- they can de-age folks uh, digitally. So they, they may have to do that for uh, a little bit here. We'll have to see. I'll be very interested to see whether they do let her age and come up with a an excuse for that or not. Yeah, because she's still, she's still in the Nexus, uh, technically. But at any rate, we won't get into that whole debacle because mm-hmm. we have to talk about the Mandalorian. So I want to put you guys in the middle. Last week's episode of The Mandalorian, The Harris. And um, this was an interesting episode. This was a lot of fun. And you know what? I, I, I'm going to let Eric start us off on this one. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what All that right. means uh, when I do that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that does. That means Jim wants the last word, uh, which is fine. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so this episode uh, was pretty interesting. We get the return of some cool characters from, uh, from other shows. Uh, we get the return of Bo-Katan and her team uh, as Mandalorians. And I, uh, th- there's some great kind of Mandalorian bantering that goes back and forth. And I'm a little confused, and I don't know, maybe you guys can shed some light on this, but I think I thought that the this show had kind of been setting up the lore um, to describe what Mandalorians were like a little bit more through this character, um, but of course we we do know that we had Mandalorians from uh, was it Rebels or Clone Wars? It was Rebels, right? Uh, we did have Mandalorians from there, and that's where Bo-Katan comes from, and they do things like remove their helmet, um, which of course Mando never does. So. Um, I'm a little confused right now as to like who the real Mandalorians are. It seemed that Bo-Katan in this episode uh, suggested that Mando comes from a a smaller sect of zealots, I think she called them, who are you know trying to bring back the old ways and that that kind of stuff. And that most Mandalorians are not like that uh, these days. Is that kind of what you guys uh, got from this episode too? That she doesn't this is the way. Kind of yeah. 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 There's definitely an argument this is about the way. what. Yeah. So, uh, so that part of it, I really, I really dug. I'll just kind of do a brief, a couple of just synopsis of a couple of scenes. You know, the, it starts with this awesome scene right where the last one uh, left off. Uh, remember that his ship is totally broken. <laughs> They have to fly yet to, again. Uh, this frog lady. <laughs> yeah, they have to. Well, yeah, but this time it's like really broken, <laughs> and they have to fly yeah. to frog lady's planet. 
uh, and they there's this awesome like scene where the thing is just dropping from the sky fast, fast, fast. Uh, and you know the flight control people are like Razor Crest, you gotta slow down. Razor Crest, you gotta slow down. Then it looks like Mando's gonna pull it off. He slows down just in time. He lands. He's just about to land his ship, and one of the engines blows out, and his ship goes in the drink and actually goes in the water there <laughs> at the docks. <laughs> oh my god, I Yo. laughed so hard when that happened. Um, and then you get a cool scene when they come back from that of the big Adat uh, crane thing kind of hauling his ship out. So and did cool... you did you notice that, that they yeah. even had the Walker sound effects from Empire Strikes Back? I did, and the feet did... moved in the right way too. It didn't wasn't like the yep. new Adat. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that I thought that was super cool. Um, you know, we get some we get some longshoremen here. We get some boats and a dock and some Mon Calamari and then the squid faced dudes. I don't know what they're species name is. Maybe one of you guys does, but uh, uh, those are quarians. Okay. That I thought was really cool. And then, you know, later on you find out kind of what the, the, what they're trying to do. This is basically a heist mission. A bunch of these Mandalorians want to go aboard this Imperial ship and steal it. It's got a bunch of weapons on it. And so they do it. And the Imperials are told by uh, the, the moth there that they have to basically scuttle the ship, kill themselves uh, so that the Mandalorians don't get the ship. And there's another awesome ship diving towards a planet scene, but this time it's a big old Imperial ship that, of course, they they save. So I guess my long and the short of this episode is that I I kind of felt like those first two episodes of the season were Mando of the week. You know, it was like he goes on an adventure, he leaves at the end of the show, next um, this one felt like it had a little bit more continuity for me. I mean, it, it, it kept going with the same frog lady character, which I think was important um, to actually include her continuing into this episode. And uh, and I liked the little bit of development that we get of these other Mandalorians and bringing them into the story. Uh, and honestly, as you guys all know, I'm a huge fan of the new Battlestar Galactica and so the return of Katie Sackhoff here as uh, Bo-Katan instead of as Starbuck uh, just fills me with a lot of joy. So I like this episode better than I liked the first two. Uh, and that is my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, you want to you wanna go next, or do you want me to jump in? Okay. I think I discussed this first season that I termed it the Incredible Hulk Syndrome. And it seems like we're going back to that again of, oh, she's got to come to some place. <clears throat> she has to go help and re- help somebody out. And then he's got to move on. Oh, let's move on to the next planet. Let's move on to the next planet. One felt a little bit like, okay... We're not really help. We're not really satisfying all of the canonites and those that really want all the tie-ins directly to Star Wars. So we got to bring in the Empire and say, "Okay, I thought at this point the Empire is falling apart. <clears throat> so now we got an empire. The Empire is off shifting around and moving weapons." 
and I still have a bunch of troops around, kind of makes sense. Like, oh, great. we got to deal with the Empire again. <laughs> I thought we were going to get a break from the, of the Empire. Now we've got the Rebels popping in last week. Now we've got the Empire coming in this week. I know we got more tie-ins to Rebels, which should be... An, I'm looking forward to see what they do with the one character coming in next week. But I just... I wish we'd get a little more straight story and not the rescue of the week. Also interesting, I had to laugh at a man that made the... I, how we'd say it, the dock manager, the person leading the dock, as somebody posted, it's like, yeah, it looked, like, looked a lot like a sweater that uh, one of the major companies, like J.C. Penney's or Cedars or somebody actually had in stock. Okay, I don't know if it's original or somebody just pulled it off of the rack. But definitely an interesting sweater to be wearing on for one of the characters. Or somebody I heard mentions, like, yes, we need more knitwear on Star Wars. Okay. <coughs> but well, I... But... Go ahead, Jim. I think it's a trap. That's all I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> so, okay. So I thought it was awesome that we got to see a Gazanti cruiser. That was so cool. Uh, we've seen them on the animated show, and I actually have a big model of it that we used to use when I used to play X-Wing, but to see it come to life was awesome. Um, seeing the Stormtroopers, the battles with the Stormtroopers was, was, was Star Wars all the way, brought me right back to being a kid. I thought the shootout was, was really fun. Watching the Mandos take over the ship and stuff was really cool. Um, so that was, that was neat. Um, it was a fun show. I, I I enjoyed the the action of the show and it's the, it's top notch quality absolutely the, the the visuals are outstanding the effects are outstanding the aliens are top notch incredible however uh, something we're going to talk about a little bit later when we talk about Star Trek Discovery is fan service and. To me, this whole Mandalorian is starting to turn into a giant fan service. How can we stroke the fanboys this week? Um, I was not a huge fan of this whole Mandalorian story, even on Rebels. Um, you know, Boba Fett was a huge character, and they had to make as much money off him as possible. So they came up with this whole Mandalorian backstory, filled through it in the cartoons in your face. Now we have a TV show about it. And now they're bringing all these characters from the animated show to life in, in the real show. And all I can do, I, I'm not, I, I thought, I thought Kay did a great job as Boca Raton. I really did. And I thought she looked great and the armor was great and the battle was great. However, do we really need that? Is it necessary that we have every character from the animated series come into this show? We only have eight episodes and already we're we're pulling next week. Well, actually not next week. Tomorrow, tomorrow uh, we're going to see Ahsoka Tana. And again, I love Ahsoka Tana. She's one of my favorite characters on the animated show. But you know, is the Mandalorian just going to be 
well, you know, let's let's bring back all these characters and you know, let's throw in some X Wings and you know, let's throw in some stormtroopers and some rebels, some Empire, we'll have battles and and you know, we'll throw in the Quarians, we'll throw in, you know, um the Montcalmery again and rather than exploring strange new worlds um, we're just going to go with the same old stuff and drop it in whenever we can. And that's what I felt about this episode. It was just a bunch of drop-ins, and it really served no purpose. I mean, at the very end, oh, and, and maybe one of you guys can answer this question for me. When, at what point, did, did the word Jedi enter the Mandalorian? Because the last time I heard um, the armorer said that they were a strange race of mystical beings and sorcerers. The word Jedi never came up. No one ever said the word Jedi. And Mandalorian never even heard the word Jedi. But all of a sudden, in this episode, he's throwing around the word Jedi, and, 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 and uh, Boca says, well, go find a Jedi named, named Ahsoka Tana. Did I miss something? When did the Jedi become, when did that happen? Can, did, did I miss something? I don't know if yeah, I don't know. I the Jedi were considered very secretive. Yeah, I don't remember, but um, overall, though, I like I said, I thought it was visually stunning. It was a fun episode to watch. The special effects were outstanding. The makeup and the creature effects were were. were Nothing to complain about, but I want to see I want to see Farvo um, give us something different, something new, and explore parts of the Star Wars galaxy that we haven't seen before. I mean, yeah, it was exciting when we saw Tusken Raiders and they were speaking in sign language. That that was really exciting, and all these little little nods that they've thrown at us, these little Easter eggs and bones, were really exciting, and uh, but. They can't be this. They can't be the whole episode. Just can't be an Easter egg. We're going to talk about that when we talk about discovery a little bit later. But okay, I just yeah, think right. that they got to. St- Let yep, me throw one go. more thing out at you. A complaint you had even about discovery. If you look at the time length on this last episode. You, you you took I was just a, I was just about to get to that. The, yeah. The, uh, 30, the, I think it was about the, thirty-eight uh, minutes on the episode. Yep. Yep. It was short. For streaming. We couldn't get a, We couldn't get forty-five, fifty minutes in the episode this time. No. The, I I want what I want to see is I want to see I want to see Farro. Uh, explore parts of the star Wars world that we haven't seen. Um, I don't yeah. want to see expanded universe stuff yeah. because I don't, I haven't read all the books or all the comic books. I want to see them go in the new places, show us a part of star Wars we haven't seen. And if they want to throw in, you know, characters or ships or aliens that we have seen. Great. I'm all for that, but it needs to be done in a way where fans are going to say, Oh yeah, look, there's a, there's a, a squid face and not thrown in your face as the center of the whole episode. Um, that would be my complaint about this episode. And I, I, and I hope that's not the route they're going, but they're bringing in a Sokatana next week, but tomorrow. And is it necessary? I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and, 
Yeah, I don't know. I I love the show, and I, I'm continuing to watch it. But, um, man, I, I don't know. Because Ahsoka Tana, so here's the thing. Ahsoka Tana knows that Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader. Or, wait, no, was Darth Vader. Let me put it that way. Um, because she battled him, and she knows that, that Anakin turned into Darth Vader. She knows the history of the Jedi. She knows where what happened to all of them. She knows the whole story. So finding Ahsoka Tana is essentially has the potential of putting an end to the Baby Yoda quest, basically. So I don't know. I just don't know. But I would like to see longer episodes. Like like Eric, like Charles said, you know, we, we couldn't hit 40 minutes, 45 minutes. It's streaming, you know, 30 minutes, 30. The last episode was only 30 minutes. This one was 38. Um, you know, so I want to see more. And I want to see them, you know, show us things like the crate Dragon last week was cool. We've never seen one, ever. We saw a skeleton of one. Now we've actually seen one up close. You know, I um I want to see the Star Wars universe like I've never seen it before. Show me something new. Show me something interesting. Throw in an X-Wing. Throw in a TIE Fighter. Throw in a Star Destroyer. Cool. Excellent. Great. Um, But don't make it the center of the whole episode. So that's my thoughts on it. Anyways. So, Eric, what would you grade this episode on a score of 1 to 10? How, how, how many uh, Imperial credits would you give it? <laughs> Uh, I think I would give this one a solid, um, I'm going to go with an 8.2. It, uh, it did more to move forward the Baby Yoda story than, uh, a lot of the episodes that we've been seeing lately. And I think ultimately that's where this show is going. So, uh, 8.2. How about you, Charles? Uh, for action adventure, I'd give an 8. But I think with the way the story's going, I'm going to take the storyline kind of to a seven. And I think they need to get it back in the direction we were going before. Yeah, I, I, I took some flack from my good friend Mark B. Lee um, over this, but I'm, I got to go with a seven, um, which, which isn't bad. You know, that's not bad. But, uh, yeah, I got to go with a seven. I, I – um, I, I like I've already told you what I feel. I want to see more. I want to see something new. I want to uh, see you know Star Wars like I've never yeah. seen it before. So I'm going to go with a seven. I think uh, not too shabby. Not too shabby. Now I, I'm I'm very interested in seeing what um, uh, what's her face looks like as a Sokatana. I can't remember the actress's name. Yeah. She wanted to play. She wanted to play Q. She wanted to be a Q on Star Trek. Ro- Rosanna uh, Rosario Dawson. Um, she's going to be a Sokatana, and I'm very interested to see how that makeup, how that actually looks on her, and how how accurate it is uh, to the animated version of a Sokatana. And this is a much. Let me see. Last time we saw Sokatana was on Rebels, and she was she was the one feeding them the information. Uh, to battle the empire, and she was much older. I want to, I want to say she was in her thirties, late thirties. Last time we saw her, is that about right, Charles? 
I don't remember. I haven't gotten that far into Rebels. I was watching it and got distracted. Yeah, I think she was in her late 30s. She was much, much, much older than she was when we first meet her in the Clone Wars. So, uh, and this is even later than that. So I'm assuming that she's she's not quite going to be an Obi-Wan, old and gray, hanging out in the desert dude. But she should be pushing 40, I would think. Yeah, roughly. I mean, Rebels, Rebels only takes place like, 15 years after the Clone Wars. So, um, you know, if she was, if she was a Padawan at, I don't know how, how old she was as a Padawan, but my guess is she was kind of a teenager. And so if you add another 15 years or so, she was maybe in her thirties at the best and rebels. So she should be another, um, it's 30 years past that now. Right. Oh no, it's not 30 years past that. It's, uh, but yeah, it is right. We're 30 years past return of the Jedi. So she should be in her, yeah, 60s maybe maybe 70s so she'll she'll be up there but once again i don't know how her species ages you know maybe they live to be 200 years old who knows i am looking forward to seeing her though she was one of my favorite characters on the show i i, I liked her and when when they wiped I, out yeah, the Jedi, my first question is what happened to ahsoka anakin had to know what happened to his padawan and you know, I yeah, was I mean, really fascinated I think to that, find out. That, I think that's one of the reasons why I liked this episode was because they're bringing in some of those characters. And maybe you didn't like the Mandalorian storyline uh, in Rebels. I did. But the the fact that they're bringing Ahsoka back, and you're right, she is – remember, the whole reason that they're trying to find her is so that they can find Baby Yoda's planet uh, so that they can get him back with his people. So I – that's why I like this episode because I feel like it actually propelled the story forward. And now I have not been excited for an episode of Mandalorian yet. This, I mean, the first one I was excited for after that one, I was like, well, not that excited for the second one. And I was like, well, I'm not that excited for the third one. Now I'm excited for the fourth one uh, personally, because I feel like if once I get to see Ahsoka, that's just going to be so cool. And the knowledge that she has, you're right, Jim. She's, she's like, She's the last line back to Anakin. Yeah, she's been there for all of it. So, uh, listen, guys, we're going to take another quick break for our listeners over there at Odyssey Radio. Just hang out. We'll be right back. And we're going to hear a little message from Sub-Commander Charles. Hi, this is Sub-Commander Charles from Trek Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and related science fiction content. And we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433 Thursday nights from 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific Coast Time. And we'll get you on the air to share your opinion. Or you can also find us on Facebook. We have faith that you will call. And I just love that Deep Space Nine feel to it i think that's a that's a great promo there so we're back guys and we're going to be talking about star trek discovery die trying i hope you guys watched it did you guys watch it oh yeah you guys did now before we do that though i must warn you black alert black alert y'all we are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory 
black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. It- Thank you, Will. Thank you very much. So, as Will said, spoiler alert. Don't send me threatening messages on Facebook that I ruined the episode for you. You actually, you should be watching tonight's episode, so you should already know what we're going to talk about. But that's another story. So this is a part of the show where we go to our fans on our Facebook page, and we ask you guys. We reach right out to the fans because, to me, what's Star Trek without fans? You know? We're fans. You guys are fans. We love the show. So we like to have you guys be as interactive and as much as part of the show as we are. That's why we do our fan shout-outs, and that's why we go around the globe, and that's why we do this segment. And every week I post on our Facebook page, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, what would you score this week's episode? And you guys all chime in, and then we tabulate all your scores, and we come up with, well, actually, I don't. Charles does. (laughs) And we come up with a fan score based on what you guys say on our Facebook page. And then we talk about it, and we score it, and we see how close we came with what actual fans like you thought about the episode. So, Eric, why don't you start us off with our fan scores? Sure. Our first fan score this week comes from Christy Cummings, who says, on the beginning alone, it gets a 10 from me. Andre De Jesus says, a 9. Really enjoy the series and most of the characters. Christopher Morgan says, I gave the first two episodes a 9 and 10, respectively. This one is a 7.5, which to me means the momentum is still going pretty good. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, Our next fan uh, reaction is from Procinius MacFellarion. Sorry if I mispronounced your name. Uh, Fantastic episode 10, my favorite of the season so far. Awesome. Uh, Andre Akima Ribas says a 9. Yao and Cronenberg should be put in the brig for stealing the episode. <laughs> Good <laughs> call. Good call. <laughs> and James Albert Johnson II says 11. So Charles is going to have to do some numbers magic to, uh, to make that one yep. work. Charles, what else did people say about it? I uh, got Fred Scott saying 10, of course. Stephen Williamson, like an... Like an eight, it was good. Pal August Holtwick gave it a ten. Tom Cooper, solid eight. Very clever episode with some great nods to the past. Third, Bruna Core, or close to that. I like this one a lot, a nine. Peter Tim, 7.5, good, but not great. And, Jim, what do some of your people say? Well, we're going to start off with Graham Williamson, who gave it a 9. Paul Schnell, who gave it a 7. Joe Waltz, who said, let me get my reading glasses on here and get a little closer to the screen. Joe Waltz said, well, apparently the burn occurs 200-ish years after the event of relativity on Voyager. Okay. I'll have to take him for his word because I'm not familiar with that. Kind of strange that time ships in the 29th century used a lithium. Overall, I don't know. 
I did like the throwbacks to Voyager and Deep Space Nine, but wow, only 38 planets in the Federation. I don't know. It's not the Trek I grew up with for sure. Whew, I got that one all out. <laughs> and uh, Andrew Ganico says, eight, best episode of season three so far. And Larry Erickson says, a 9.95. So those are our fan ratings. If you guys would like to have your name and your opinion mentioned on the show next week, just go to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out, and you'll see the post there. Just tell us what you thought, and uh, you'll get on the show. So, Charles, what was our, our overall fan rating for this episode? Well, it comes out rounding it to about an 8.76. If I adjust the 11 down by 1, we'll get an even 8.7. 8.7. So that's a pretty respectable so score it. from you guys. It's up there with the rest of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's right up there. It's right yeah. up there with about episode 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the fans seem to like this one. A lot. Yep. And let me see. We have a caller. We have a caller on the line. Number. <laughs> if I can get some. Awesome. Why doesn't this, <laughs> this thing doesn't seem to, there we go. I hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek. Yeah, it takes a while. I don't know why. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name? And where are you calling us from tonight? Shannon from Kentucky. Shannon. It's Shannon. Does that number look familiar? <laughs> what's going on, Shannon? <laughs> Nothing. I just had to wait for you to get past the Star Wars stuff before I called in. <laughs> well, well, thank you for calling uh, in. I, I, <laughs> but before we get started, though, uh, congratulations on the election. We did really good. So, yes, we did. Great job, cool. everybody. That was that <laughs> was really cool. We 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 had uh, Trek the vote on the show, and uh, mm-hmm. everything went well. So congratulations and thank you to everybody that helped out with that. It was it was cool. Mm-hmm. So Shannon. Mm-hmm. What did you think about this week's ep- oh, last week's episode? <laughs> well, I just finished watching this week's <laughs> episode, so I'll behave myself. Um, I really liked it. It made me made me a little. I don't know if I actually cried, but I cheered up a little because um, we lost one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like my that tweet when I told. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Let's talk about that a little bit here. Uh, mm-hmm. Non decided mm-hmm. to stay behind on the seed ship because the um her her people, the Barzans, mm-hmm. joined the Federation and they had a family on the seed ship and the, the wife and the two daughters had died and the father w- was suffering from some type of radiation poisoning and had to leave to go aboard the Discovery and so Nan stayed behind to see to the seed mm. and to get an opportunity to go back to her home world. So we he didn't, lost. He didn't stay on Discovery. No, he no, stayed, there stayed too. on the on ship. He stayed on his ship. Yeah, so he was yeah. going to die on the way back to their homeworld. So yeah. she's not. I, I have a question for you guys, though. I was thinking mm-hmm. about this. Star Trek Strange New Worlds, is that going to be before or after Discovery leaves? Because oh. she could actually show up on Star Trek Strange New Worlds depending on where in the timeline they put the show. Have you guys heard anything uh, about that? What, where it's going to well, be? Nope. No, no but uh, she's I, left I, to do I, another show. 
Yeah, they uh, they say that it it does happen in the gaps between Star Trek mm-hmm. Discovery season two and when Pike's mm-hmm. accident happens. So there's like there's That's only right. like a seven year gap there between the end of season two and when the cage, uh, not the cage. Um, uh, oh my God, I can't think yeah. of the episode's <laughs> name. Oh, <laughs> the menagerie. The menagerie, yeah. The menagerie <laughs> happens. <laughs> I could see him in his wheelchair. I just couldn't think of the name. Yeah, so there's a so it is in that seven year gap uh, there. So uh, in theory, we should not have a non on the ship. But you know, I was reminded, and we're gonna we'll do a book nook soon uh, on the book that we're all reading right now. But I was reminded that the the Constitution classes in the Enterprise, in particular. You know, we always think of it as having a very steady crew that's always there all the time because that's who all the major mm-hmm. folks were. But they uh, they went through a lot of changes. You remember in TNG, um, you know, we didn't even have a chief engineer uh, until Jordy was promoted in season two. I think we had four chief engineers before that or something. Wait, that came up yesterday. My child yesterday asked me to watch Star Trek. I said, okay. And so we watched like half the first season. He's like, where's the engineer? I'm like, they keep changing. I don't yeah. know what happened to them. I don't even remember these people. <laughs> yeah, so there is some change out on these starships. So, uh, you know, it wouldn't be that weird to have a different security officer. Hopefully it's somebody that we like because Non was a great character, and I was honestly surprised that uh, that she stayed behind. Now, there's a good chance that we're going to see her, right, because the seed ship Wait. has warp capability, Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Discovery is going to be out there, Spore driving around. So I think we'll see her again in the future. Well, you know that that she the actress left for another show, but if it's anything like um, Tig, she can come back occasionally, like yeah. as her schedule yeah, like permits it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I like I liked her. I liked her character mm-hmm. a lot. I, did, mm-hmm. did you guys? Wasn't that cool? When she took off her breathing gear and her eyes yeah. changed color, wasn't that yeah. cool? real air, real eyes? That's what she says. Yeah, wasn't expecting yeah, that. Was, that yeah, that was cool. Because mm-hmm. I didn't notice that until until that happened. I said, "Wow, how could I have not have known that?" You know, the bright blue well, contact. Wasn't... Yeah, yeah, I, I noticed I was the right like, way. Wow. And I was like, "What's going on?" Some, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was neat. That was really cool. <laughs> Now, what did you guys think when they when they got to Starfleet? What did you think mm-hmm. about Admiral Vance? All right, Shannon, I'm what, what do you think about? Because I hear I okay, hear a lot of people thrown. I, I hear a lot of people throwing Admiral Vance under the table, and I just have to say, from my standpoint, if you had been completely cut off from the rest of the Federation for 120 mm-hmm. years. And if you were basically living in fear, it's like he says in his little speech there, he says, we've been in triage for a very long time. I think he is reacting exactly appropriate to how a Starfleet mm-hmm. Admiral should be reacting. He went through Temple of Cold Wars, man. Well, he didn't personally, but only a couple hundred <laughs> years before this, they were in the Temple of Cold Wars, which is like yeah. the scariest possible type of war you can imagine, right, where they can physically change your mm-hmm. reality um, based on changing the past. So I thought he was fantastic. I loved his demeanor. I loved how, like, curt, but not really rude. I mean, he was never rude. He just was always mm-hmm. kind of curt and to the point. And he's like, listen, guys, you haven't given me any reason to trust you, so I'm not going to trust you. And that's the way that it is until you give me a reason to trust you. 
So I thought he was great. I loved his, I don't know what kind of accent he's got. It's hypnotizing to listen to though. Uh, <laughs> and, and his uniform, oh my God, his gray hair with the uniform and the red shirt. What a stud. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we know who you have a crush on now. <laughs> <laughs> he's my he's my Pike crush, I guess. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I um I I did have a question though for you guys because I'm a little bit mm-hmm. I'm a little bit confused. Okay. So maybe you guys can help me out. In the future of Star Trek, when was it ever established that Everything in the Star Trek world runs on dilithium. Like, did I miss something? No, not every, not everything in the Star Trek world, but warp technology runs on dilithium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which so, is faster well, at that point than anything else. I mean, they had, they had TOS. There were multiple TOS episodes back in the day that talked about how rare of an element it was, how much they needed it, mm-hmm. you know, how they had to always get it for the ship. Um, so I feel like that's pretty well established canon that at least Starfleet technology uses dilithium. Yeah. Now I think there's some you could throw your hands up a little bit. Uh, everybody talks about the singularities that are supposed to power Romulan ships. We still don't know if those actually use dilithium. We just know that they don't use an antimatter a matter antimatter uh, reaction, right? They use this other power source. So, well, my my question. Yeah. The thing that confuses me is Admiral Vance says something like, I, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he says something like there's only 38 planets left in the Federation that we mm-hmm. can find since our subspace right. uh, relays are right. down. What, when yep. was it? Right, because communications are does, down. What does the lithium have to do with their communications arrays? They don't run on I'm the lithium, at least they never... Never said they because did. There's, two, there's two main sources of power that, that create a ton of power in Star Trek. One of them is an antimatter matter reaction, um, which is what most things run on. And then there's fusion power, which is what powers the impulse drives and that sort of thing on ships. So they use fusion when they need like a good amount of power, but not like all the power. They use matter matter antimatter reactions when they need all the power. So I can imagine for a subspace relay, you know, you want that thing never to go down. You want it it's gotta be super powerful because there's a ton of communications coming through it and being passed out again. So it takes a lot of power to run the thing. So I think that there are it's not only ships, it's it's possibly buildings and satellites and well, other stuff out there too. Well it's also a fact is you realize we talked about on one of the discovery books is the fact that they had to come in and repair one of the communication arrays. The fact is, if all of a sudden your communication array is two light years away, and all of a sudden you can't travel that far, is that equipment's eventually going to break down and stop working? Mm-hmm. The fact is, because we couldn't travel at warp speed anymore, there was very limited travel, they probably couldn't get to some of the arrays before the arrays eventually shut down. <clears throat> they stopped working. So I think and they the couldn't have been a priority anymore. Because they're yeah. only traveling mostly at impulse power, 
We're not getting very far in traveling. <laughs> oh, it's going to take us 12 hours to get there. No, now it's going to take us 12, 24 months to get there. We want to risk traveling that far away into an area that's unknown. The problem is we're so fractured because we don't have that communication ability like we did in the past. Yeah. Which that's is why, why they didn't know, know that. Out there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they didn't yeah. know when somebody came back yeah. to Earth that they were human. Yeah. That makes sense. And then I, I wanted to ask you, did, what did you guys, did you guys notice that Michael Burnham was really being like a pain in the ass, like majorly, like disobeying everybody, just okay. She's always you, I'll done do what that. I want. Yeah, and yeah, she's. But like now, that. yeah, but but now she's in the future and has no idea what she's talking about. But you know well, what? She's in there for she a year though, but she knows everything. Oh, no, and she gets dressed <laughs> down by no, Saru for it too, and. <laughs> I think that was a good thing because she's going to keep doing that. And I think it's like Mariner, you know, how Mariner has to get put in her place every once in a while, even though it's really her personality that makes it all work. It's like that with, with Michael, you know, she's got a little bit of a hot head. Uh, and I've, I've just noticed that this season, she seems to have lost all of her Vulcanness. It's like the, the Vulcanness from seasons one and two has just completely evaporated. And I guess that's to be explained by the fact that she spent a year alone uh, or a year with Booker yeah. uh, instead of with her crew. But it's it's weird to me that she doesn't seem to have that kind of... Uh, center? Se- yeah, that's the right that's the well, way to put it, Shannon. Yeah, that's center. Yeah. Well, the thing is, she kind of had, in the, in the original, in the man universe, she still had mm-hmm. her parents, she still had a lot, of, a lot to tie her into place. Whereas all of a sudden now she has no tie-in anymore. She doesn't have anything really tying her in because she has, uh, we don't even know what happened to the Vulcans in this era. Yes, we don't well, see any. Well, yet. Well, okay, well, spend time with that well, study. well actually on Thanksgiving night we get to see Unification Part 3. Which I'm assuming um, Vulcans, something, yeah. Gotta be. It, it's gotta have something. It's yeah. gotta have something to do with the Vulcans because that's what Unification One and Two was about. So wait, we're they're find actually showing on Thanksgiving. Vulcans. Yay! <laughs> yeah, on Thanksgiving night we can all sit around, have our turkey, and watch Star Trek. How awesome! <laughs> we can't go visit Yay. our families, but we can watch Star Trek, and that's more important. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's, at least uh, it's a good thing. How's that? <laughs> yeah, we got to get our priorities straight, you know. Over here we have mm-hmm. family eating, and over here we have Star Trek. The choice is pretty simple, you know. <laughs> but at any rate, <laughs> you're right. We don't know what happened to the Vulcans after this burn. Are they still a member of the Federation? We, we don't know. Hopefully we'll find out uh, Thursday. But we do not mm-hmm. know at this point, so... It's going to be interesting to see where that goes, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there's so much. Uh, we only have three minutes before our next break, so I don't. what can we get into for three minutes? 
that's that we're not going to have to break in, into. Um, well, what did you okay. guys think about? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, because I, 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 we have a lot to talk about in the, in the final segment that I don't want to delve into right now because we'd have to, I'd have to cut you off. Yeah. So I don't want to go there. So let's just keep let's just keep chatting a little bit about about Starfleet. Do you guys think Discovery is going to continue with the uniforms and and the tech and stuff that they currently have? Do you think they're going to get updated and, and into the new stuff? What do you think, Shannon? Um, I can't answer that because I've seen tonight's episode, so I'm not going to say anything. But do we know part of the answer? What about the other part that we don't know? I think they'll keep it until they feel like they belong to this federation. And then That's they may upgrade stuff. Thank you. That's a good answer. Well, what do you think, Eric? You think we're gonna we're gonna see them continue or you think they're gonna be in the gray uniforms with all the fancy technology? Well, my my guess, and I've, I, of course, have not seen tonight's episode, so I can be way off, but my guess would be that the uniforms would stay the same because um, we already saw that that was kind of Starfleet protocol. Like, the the Enterprise had completely different uniforms from the Discovery, and they were from mm-hmm. exactly the same era. So I could see them keeping their uniforms, but I think they're going to need some tech. They absolutely need some tech upgrades. I mean, they got to figure out how to get Stamets unplugged from the spore drive, essentially. So... Or, or plugged into it in a different way. So we'll, we'll just, figure you know, out how that with happens. Programmable matter. That could, that's not in there. I'm just saying that could work. You know, they could just put programmable matter in there and you could just touch everything and it works. You know? uh, that's true. Yeah, I that mean, could yeah, work. that stuff is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's my what favorite you, what thing you, on the new what show, you think, Charles? I mean, you want, you want to see them I in think... the gray uniforms? You want to see them wear their, their same blues? I don't know, because I think they are a fracture of the Federation. We might see them stay in their blues for a little while longer. But I think I think there might be a merge of their technology that might be useful to them and access to more advanced technology. It's about maybe getting more upgraded transporters. Get the transporters a little easier to use. Or shields. Yeah. And okay, before we cut the break, there's just one. There's one point I wanted to make, and then we're going to cut to the break, and then we're going to get into the meat and potatoes when we come back. Um, I was really surprised to see quite so many holograms all over the place, yet no androids. And I thought that after the events of Star Trek Picard, uh, we might be seeing more androids, but we did not see a single android on Discovery. That we know of. That we know of. We we did see a holographic androids in there. They did? Yeah, but but is it a hologram or is it an android? I mean, to me, if it's a hologram, it's a hologram. If it's an android, it's an android. You know? And, uh, I, I Where was the holographic uh, android? Uh, several uh, of I them mean, were. The ones well, in the I'll ones that were doing part of the interviews. The guy that was investigating them, trying to get senses about each one of them. He was acting oh, more, I and, more than android. I don't know. I'll have to look again. I didn't think he was an android. I thought he had no personal space. <laughs> yeah, because if if they if they can deactivate you and you disappear, you're a hologram. 
Right. Well, you could be you can blink at them you and they go away. Door. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm hoping we're going to talk about that. Okay. So, anyways, <laughs> listen, guys. I just wanted to waste a couple of minutes before our break, which is right now, <laughs> by the way. Um, we're gonna we're gonna be talking about Mr. Kovich, the man in glasses. <laughs> when we come back, don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after this quick message from my good friend TJ. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Freakopolis Geekery, the premier upstate New York comics and game shops. Centrally located between Saratoga Glens Falls, Ticonderoga, and Rutland, Vermont, the Geekery is a haven for pop culture and science fiction fans. For Star Trek fans, the Geekery features board games like Ascendancy, as well as awesome gaming titles like Star Trek Adventures RPG from Modiphius, Star Trek Away Team Zero Clicks, and of course, Star Trek Attack Wing Ship-to-Ship Tactical Combat for the Tabletop. The Geekery hosts casual play sessions, learn-to-play sessions, and sanctioned organized play tournaments with limited edition prize support. You'll also find comics and trade paperbacks at Freakopolis, including Star Trek titles from IDW. Lots of issues are in stock, and special orders are no problem. Whether you visit in person by Shuttlecraft or beam in online to Freakopolis.com, you'll find yourself right at home at the Freakopolis Geekery. And welcome back, guys. So we got a lot to talk about, so we're not going to waste any time. Let's dive right in. I have a couple of clips I want to play for you guys. To me, the biggest thing in this episode, no, do I want to do that now? Yeah, I will do that now. To me, the biggest part of this episode was the Giorgio and Kovic interrogation. Okay. And yeah. it's shown in the episode as two parts. Uh, Part one, and then they go off to some other stuff, and then they come back to that interview, and we have part two. So I want to play for you what I call interview one and interview two. So this first clip is is the first time that we see Giorgio being interviewed, and this one involves some hologram. I'll need to speak with Admiral Vance. Our scans picked you up right away. A rigorous debrief is protocol for Terrans. We also know you're a murderer in at least two universes. Don't look at him. Look at us. So this will be your second universe, your third timeline? Depends on how you look at it. I like to look at it like this. Why are you blinking? Why aren't you? What was your connection to control? We dated. All Terrans are duplicitous by their biology. All biplicitous bioduology. Neither ology has anything to do with it. You may not be aware, but in the past hundred years, we've discovered a chimeric strain on the subatomic level in the Terran stem cell. Silly hollow. I cannot rattle you by introducing a completely fabricated biological component to my nastiness and inherently bad behavior. I'm extremely wicked, even for a Terran. Who are you? What if you're not hollow? Make her stop. What if you're a human programmed to think he's a hollow? <laughs> you broke my hollows. Blinking at their harmonic rate disrupts the hollow protocols, creating a reference loop that shuts them down. Upgrade your programs and stop wasting my time. Why are you wearing glasses? Um, they make me look smarter. I like them. I might decide to like you. 
Debrief as you will. Okay, so that's the first part. And then we cut away to some blah, 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 blah. And then <laughs> we come back to that same interview and we pick up with, with this part two. You're curious about my badge. I'm bored. I thought I could break it down for parts. Play with it. It's clear, Emperor, what you're capable of. What's not clear to me is why you chose to come here. I have a curious nature. Really? April 5th is my birthday. A Terran holy day. April 5th, 2063. First ever contact between Terrans and a Vulcan survey ship. But then your people slaughtered everybody on board. Vulcans need to learn to stay in their lane sometimes, and it's not like it's a high holy day. I've been fascinated by Terran history and methodology since I was a boy. There are very mm. few species that do things simply to do them. We're mostly untroubled by pesky motivations, except for revenge. We do like that one. It seems you've created an empire based on the maxim, because we feel like it. So why would you ever join a Starfleet crew? If you simply wanted to butcher them, you wouldn't. Much as I enjoy being fetishized, and I do, I'll answer your questions if you answer mine first. No, you won't really do that. Correct. No. And even if you did, you'd lie. So the only way I'll glean any information is by the questions you ask me. So, please. Who is really in charge now? The burn appeared to have been quite the humbling experience for the Federation. Who was responsible? That's two questions. Pick one. There are conflicting theories, but no hard proof pointing at any one particular bad guy. Sounds like the Federation lost a step. Or five. And yet it endures, unlike the Terran Empire, which fell centuries ago. Were you aware that the distance between our two universes started expanding sometime after your departure? There hasn't been a single crossing in over 500 years. You didn't know that, did you? You're all alone now. I think. You and the Federation are afraid because whoever did this must be merciless. A threat to whatever or whomever you hold dear. The weakness of people is generally other people, isn't it? You're not wrong, but that could also explain why you'd fall in line with Discovery. But there's a person on the crew you care about, isn't there? So, there's so much there to unpack. Let's start off with, with the date that he gave very significant date because that's first contact day in the prime universe but in star trek enterprise into the mirror darkly that's the day the vulcans land on earth and zephyr cochran kills them all and steals their technology and starts the, you know, the terran empire at that point it is to be coincidentally mr kovic's birthday interesting interesting uh-huh. what about the fact that he is an expert on the Terran universe. 
That struck me as incredibly strange. And he also, if you guys noticed, he had a hologram in front of him of her of her ship that got destroyed there. I forgot what was the name of that ship. The Charlie. Um, yeah, when she kicked Lorca in the face when he was standing behind her, which still blows my mind. He had a he had a holographic representation of that ship. Where would he get that from? And where would he I get that knowledge? I watched that twice and didn't see that. Tell me, where uh, did he get that from? Yeah, so information about the mirror universe is known to people in the prime universe and is known to the Federation. Um, and, you know, I think DS9 is probably the best example of, of how that happens and, you know, how people become aware of that stuff. So, uh, excuse me, not DS9. Uh, <laughs> uh, Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, at, any, at any rate, I... What I'm trying to say is that that stuff is all in the Federation database, so they should know about it. So, and 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 he, not only does he have access to the Federation database, but he seems like maybe he knows a little bit more than some other people too. Like maybe he has information that not everybody has. Like maybe and he's not why just working. Wearing, why is he wearing black? Why, why is he wearing he a gold badge? And has a silver badge. Suit. Why is he wearing a suit like like a 20th century suit? And not a star He's a man uniform. in black. <laughs> like yeah. all of our sci-fi stuff in the 80s and 90s. Or, yeah. or is he? Well, and I think or, that there are a yeah. lot of great theories out there on who he could be. I mean, the ones that I've heard the most are, are Section 31. You know, people think that mm-hmm. maybe he's Section 31 and that that is going to be how we get Giorgio into her Section 31 show. Um I've uh, heard some people say that maybe he uh, is part, you know, has has some sort of connection back to the temporal cold war. Uh, I've read that online. Uh, some people have some theories. I don't know. Who do you guys think he is? Or is he and Karen? Why was, why was he wearing glasses? Because they it make had him look to smart. be significant. Well... <laughs> <laughs> So I mean that's one of I mean, the theories is that if he's if he's from the mirror universe, he should have sensitive eyes, right? Like they all have sensitive mm-hmm. eyes. And maybe his glasses were a way to help Protect control him. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know maybe he's from the mirror universe. Maybe he's human from the prime universe, but just section thirty-one and just does. Maybe there's. It'd be cool if there was tech in those glasses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe he's got some tech in there that we don't know about. I think, well, realistically, I think the reason they realistically kept him in his glasses was because that's how he's known to look. David Cronenberg looks well, like that, that with the glasses. Well, that brings me to my second question, Eric. Yeah. What did he do <laughs> to Giorgio? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, because that's an excellent question. At the end too. of the episode, and I, she's just standing there staring out into space like she's in a trance. And Michael Burnham's talking to her and can't shake her out of it. And then finally she snaps out of it. So what did he do to Giorgio? Well, Discovery doesn't give us information we don't need. And they gave us information in this episode about Terran nastiness being, having a biological component. So Mm. that, that almost makes me wonder if they have some sort of cure or treatment for, that would be no fun. 
I, well, and that's the thing is why I was a little upset by that because, I mean, in some ways we need Giorgio to um, – she needs to not just be so flippant all the time or she's tiresome to watch, to tell you the truth. Like, she needs to be involved, engaged in scenes where she's actually um, having good dialogue and not just kind of whipping zingers at people. Um, and so that would – so I, hopefully they would keep that. But, yeah, if they change her overall demeanor, that that'd be kind of weird, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, she could be well, a hologram. I... She could be an android. We don't know what they did to her. Mm-hmm. It was a nanobot center or whatever. Nano... Yeah, that's right, nanobot. And try to control her. We don't know how yet. Yeah, he, he did something to her. That's obvious. Mm-hmm. We just don't know what. Other than just, I love, course, sorry, I love her character. I think she's mm-hmm. great. And I really love mm-hmm. her interaction with Kovich. And I really hope that what we're seeing is a is the birth, um, rebirth of Section 31. I'm hoping. Because they had a really good rapport. And one of our, one of our fans said it perfectly. The two of them should be put in the brig for stealing the episode. And uh, I feel they did. <laughs> I feel that they did. Well, I also yeah. kind of wonder if he told her something that was going to happen to Michael or something that happened that shook her enough to to stop her for a minute. Mm. Yeah, because he did come up with the point that there was somebody that she loves on that ship, and that seemed to uh, cause her to kind of stop and pause, and she gets a different facial expression at that moment. It's like, uh-oh, he's discovered my secret. Right, because it makes her vulnerable for a Terran. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. Okay, so not a lot, spoiler. Lot, lot to just, some of that will come up next to today's episode, just so you know. No answers, just some of that will come up again. Yeah, right. no answers, but but more stuff, but no answers. But right. I, and, and I really like, I, I hope that we're seeing the Section 31 thing, because we all thought, they always said it wouldn't be till the end of Season 3, and we're all mm-hmm. assuming that she's going to go back and hang out with Ash, but maybe that's not the case. Maybe she's going to yeah, stay I right here. They, yeah, they've been hinting more and more strongly, I think, recently uh, that Section 31 will be set in this timeline, and that Discovery is not going back. They're, which, I think they're staying Which is kind of cool. Because then we can yeah, have totally. Star Trek in a bunch of different timelines at the same time. Yeah, because I think that Giorgio's style and her mm-hmm. her, her, her her methods and her way of thinking <laughs> is perfect for where the Federation is right now. They need someone like her, you know, uh, to do the things that Starfleet (laughs) maybe wouldn't do or can't do that she has no problem doing. So um, I think that what we saw was an interview of her more than an interrogation. Yeah. And so – my understanding is that Section 31 is a division of Starfleet, right, guys? It's right. A, it's like it's money flows through Starfleet to pay for things that Section 31 does. So they're like the CIA well, of the CIA, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the to me, they could get into the muck here a little bit because what we have is we have a devastated Federation that they're trying to build back up with old school Federation ideals. But you have somebody like Giorgio who, while fun to watch, there's no question she's an amazing character and an amazing actress. 
it's not like her ideals and her moral compass are in the right place 99% of the time. I mean, for some reason she has decided to come with this crew. I keep deci- I keep expecting her to to turn coat at any moment. <laughs> I mean, maybe the only reason she's here is because of Michael, but am uh-huh. I the only one that doesn't that still doesn't trust her? Well, we, you cannot trust her, but no, she cares for Michael. Those are different things. That is true. Oh. But uh, I guess what I'm saying is, as does she then, do her ideals put her, put her, just because she's capable of doing things, does that mm-hmm. mean she should, as a, you know, genocidal, homicidal person, should she be put in charge of someplace like Section 31? Mm. It's more of a, I mean, it, it might be a longer discussion than we have time for right now, but it's something that I just start thinking about. I just want to make sure that they don't get their message mucked up here because they're trying to rebuild the Federation here, and that needs to be the main through line that happens in Discovery. Right. I think. Oh. Let, me throw, let me throw just a little bit in there. Do you think that Georgia is a bit on the vicious side? Just wait till you guys get around to reading Guy Standing. You're going to find she's even more complicated and more diabolical. Great. <laughs> yeah, well, that was a good book. I think that Section 31, what we know of them, have always been that way. They've always mm-hmm. done things that were maybe not something the Federation but, uh, but they would have done. But they did the Federation in, in the right direction, though. It's they didn't do them exactly. because they wanted to do them. They did them exactly. because they thought that it would benefit the Federation, and that's the thing that 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 Philippa doesn't have, right? She Terrans only think about themselves. They spent this whole scene, COVID, talking about all Terrans do is they just do things to do them. They don't even have any motivations except for revenge. Because well, they want to. That's what they said. That's More the whole society. Because they, they, they want to. to. Yeah. 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 I mean, she she's yeah. had ample opportunities to screw over the crew and Michael and, and right. didn't. That's true. You know? Uh, but, uh, wow. Okay. So I, I knew there was a lot to talk about. And I, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Eric, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the importance of the lullaby? that has been floating uh, around for at least a right. hundred years that we're aware of. Well, I'm really trying to connect all these things that we learned in this episode together. And the only thing that I can come up with, I, I can't take total credit for coming up with this theory on my own, but I've permutated it a few times in my head and I, I kind of like it. But remember how Kovitch was talking about how the distance between the two universes was expanding and that that was why people can't actually cross over from the Terran universe anymore. And he actually says it didn't mm-hmm. start expanding until a couple hundred years after um, she left the mirror universe. So what if this whole burn, like all the dilithium is a crystal, right? So what if this whole mm-hmm. burn situation has something to do with some sort of resonant frequency going off over all of space at the same time, shattering all of the dilithium, causing all these things to blow up. And what if that had something to do with the distance between these two universes? Like they, it got to just the right frequency that when they were this far apart, it hit a certain harmonic and boom, all the dilithium went up. 
that is my theory on the burn, and I think the song might fit into it because uh, I don't in a more kind of indirect way, like it's an indication of these frequencies. Like somebody's going to analyze this song, Tilly probably, you're going to analyze this mm-hmm. song at some point. She's going to figure out that it contains all these frequencies that blah, 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 blah. That's my theory. I think it has to do, I think the song is directly related to the burn because sound at the right frequencies can cause things like that to happen. That that could be. That's a, that's as good a theory yeah. as any. It's a theory. Or, you know. Or Stamets could hear it because he could see he sees things in different dimensions and different ways. Because mm. the network. Mm-hmm. And yep, I sure. wonder. I, I I hope they don't mm-hmm. go this way. But um, Stamets could still visit the mirror universe because he does it through the mycelial network. So he could go back mm-hmm. there any time. I don't want to see them waste any time going back there because they already did that in season one but I would think Stamets could take the discovery there in an instant if they really wanted to you know mm-hmm. but at any rate mm-hmm. uh, something else I wanted to wanted to get to which I talked about when we were talking about Star Wars and that's a little thing called fan service and uh, <laughs> Charles you know what, what did you think about seeing two starships in this episode. One, the USS Nog, and the second one, yeah. the Discovery mm-hmm. J. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. I missed that. I thought I Voyager. I thought it was interesting that Voyager definitely has a very strong history. But especially being involved, being somewhat connected into a lot of discussions with the seventh rule that they were, I think, one of the first ones that caught on to. It's like, wait, oh, we finally got that dedication and nod. Aaron Eisenberg finally got that recognition, and we've been waiting for some kind of recognition for Aaron. And I think this was definitely a very well-placed, very well put together putting a ship that he's he's still out there he's still recognized mm-hmm. that the Nog is still out there and it's like oh yes he's still recognized as important and that they're recognizing the character and the actor of a loss for it it's like yes I think that was very well put <clears throat> I was impressed with the Voyager when I found about the Nog. I was even more excited about that ship. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, that's, that's a dedication, but I think it's a well-deserved dedication. We didn't get the dedication we really wanted from Star Trek Las Vegas. So I think this was a great thing for CBS to put in there. And like, I'm like, I'm like the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. I think that this was not just fan service. I think they, they did this very tastefully, and it was just kind of there. And if you noticed it, great. If you didn't, the Internet pointed it out to you anyways. And it was just in passing. It's like, yeah, here's, here's, here's some recognition to Aaron right here. And that was it. Um, but the Voyager J? Mm-hmm. Uh, Shannon, what did you think about the Voyager J? 
I thought that was very cool, just like there have been enterprises since, like, you know, we had sailing ships. We've always had enterprises, so I thought that was very cool, that Voyagers left an impact so that they keep naming ships after that. Yeah, and, and the, it's been brought up that the crew of the Discovery wouldn't necessarily know who who Voyager is because they were, you know, not involved in that whatsoever. But I think that Tilly and the rest of the crew was more fascinated by the fact that it was Voyager J, and not right. not by the name Voyager, but the fact that it was J, because Tilly says something like 11th generation or 12th generation or right. something like that, if I, if I remember correctly. So something, it might have been some, yeah. Yeah, some name they vaguely recognize. Well, like if we saw Enterprise Z or whatever, they would know how many generations that had been, too. Right. Exactly. I really but, want to see some of these other ships that they talked about as they were flying through there. They talked about ships with organic hulls and ships with or the holographic hulls. hulls and I want to see that one. That just sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now, is it manned by holograms, well, what, though, in case anything happens to the seal on it? Yeah, you better believe it. A million uh-huh. Bob Picard. Maybe, maybe, uh-huh. Yeah, maybe the doctor <laughs> is over there. So, uh, Shannon, What's the name, uh, John? On, on a scale of one to a... ten, Shannon, what, what would you rate this episode on a scale of one to ten? Oh, they're all really good, so I can't give them all really high scores. Um, we're still talking about last week, so, so I'm going to go with like an 8.9, because as much as I liked the episode, it didn't put a lot into the general storyline as much as the other ones do. I mean, like the Federation part, but not the the seed ship and everything. As much as I like that, good. I think that was mostly a throwback to the fans. Good answer. Good answer. Eric, Thank how you. about you? Uh, I'll give this episode a nine. Uh, I really dug all the future Starfleet stuff and just yeah. the looks of wonder on everybody's face. It, this This felt like a... Like a Christmas morning, you know, episode to me where everybody's just wide-eyed, and I really like that. So I give it a nine. Nine. All right, Charles, you get to you get to bring up the caboose. Uh, I think I'll go right about where the fans are. I think about an eight point seven, eight point eight. Thank you. Definitely, I think we're going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. you know what? I'm right there with you guys, too, on 8.8, 8.9 area. Um, really, to me, the, the, the Giorgio and Kovic thing just, just put a whole mm-hmm. new spin yeah. that just that, that just a whole level like well, in there that wasn't, that, that wasn't there before. And, of course, we got the whole – Starfleet thing going on and all these yeah. new ships and the Nog and Voyager J and, yeah. you know, programmable well, matter and all that stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I do have one negative for the, this is why I think it higher than nine is because everything shouldn't be about Michael. Like she's but, doing everything. She's, yeah, go ahead. It's true. But in the original series, every single episode was always about Kirk you know, like okay. somehow Kirk was always the linchpin to every single episode. So I, okay. I think that I'll that, give you that. Yeah. 
I just think it's weird because we have never seen a a character. Well, I, actually, I was just going to say that, but that, you know, Kirk. I mean, Shatner sort of overacted a little bit. Some people uh, think that Sonequa overacts this. I don't think she does. Mm-hmm. I think she gives it the appropriate Probably amount sure. of acting, but she is she yeah. is definitely emotive. Uh, I think right. I think she's. I think she's that. awesome. But there's so many yeah. other characters that I want to see. Yeah, I yeah. get it. I would, For sure. I'll throw in Nate's comment that he thought that Non should have been the one to solve the problem on the ship and to the Michael. Mm. Right. That would have been cool. I mean, Michael just dealt, dealt with the trail thing two episodes ago, and now she dealt with the siege siege at this time. Yeah. She needs to have an episode that she's not the center of everything. <laughs> but tonight's episode's also yeah, good. But... She's still center of it. I'm just saying. But, yeah. So uh, we're out of time, guys. I knew this was going to be a tough one to squeeze in because there was so much in this episode to talk. AJ, AJ, down. AJ, there was so much going on in this episode that um, I was kind of didn't think we'd be able to squeeze it all in. And and I I think we could talk for another hour about this episode, Mm -hmm. but we don't have time. So I want to make sure to say thank you to Shannon for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you very much, Shannon. Yay, anytime. You're always welcome. There's always a seat at the captain's table for you. And, of course, thank you to Eric for having... AJ, stop it. <laughs> stop. Oh, what did he do? He walked on my computer and changed it to Japanese or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can't read my computer anymore because the cat walked on the keyboard. Thank you, everybody, so... for coming. Uh, so, anyways... Bad cat. Um, <laughs> thank you, to, uh, Eric, for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you very much, Eric. It's always an adventure. <laughs> it, it is. It is. And Charles, thank you very much for hanging out with us as well. Oh, always. Star Trek and beyond. And I wanted to, everybody, all of our American listeners, a happy Thanksgiving and a safe holiday. AJ, AJ. Oh my God! What did you? Can you guys still hear me? Yes, yes. we can hear you. <laughs> what did he do? Mm-hmm. Oh my okay. God! Close out the show. We're all my good. screen. Oh my God! Um, Just say thanks. Back. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you in two weeks, maybe. Yeah. So I want to let you guys no, know we'll our next show is going to be on Saturday, the twenty eighth okay. at five p.m. Because we're not going to have cool. a show on Thanksgiving night. So we're going to be right. on Saturday at 5 p.m. So you guys can tune in for that as well. And i got to figure out what AJ did to my computer because the screen is black. Wait, wait. So I don't know. Does I, that mean we can talk about two weeks' episodes or just this tonight's episode? Just one episode. Yeah, so on Saturday, you're not going to do a four-hour show. About, yeah. <laughs> Saturday, okay. just we're going to talk about the episode <laughs> that we just watched tonight. Um, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about that one, okay. and we're going to talk about the Mandalorian episode, which is on tomorrow. Y'all have fun with that. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do on Saturday. And I want to say thank you to everybody who's AJ. I am really getting angry at you. <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna be back again next week, guys. So don't worry. And thank you to each and everybody who's listening to us all around the world. We couldn't do the show without you. And please, everybody, stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody.
Mm-hmm. Oh my God! What did he do here? I can't. Oh, I can't end the show. What did he do? Can you guys still hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I I don't know what he did. I can't figure out what the cat did here because I can't see my screen. So I'm just going to have to say goodnight, everybody, because I can't look at my screen because my cat, AJ, walked all over it, and I don't know what he did to it. So um, there we go. I got it. There you go. Yes, fine. Engage. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.